Happy Monday morning, everyone. Welcome to Kafaru Cast. Um, I'm solo. Frank the Tank is uh, back from Alberta. He may be with a woman, may not be. He's not here. That's all I know. But I have got a longtime friend, super fit dude, uh, Dan the Fitness Man. Uh, and I'm not going to go over everything you have you're involved in because I forget. But thanks for coming on, man. Oh, man. It's good for me just to catch up with you selfishly. And yeah, I'm excited. What what all do you have your hands in now? I know um, you've got your own podcast. It's the uh, Elk Shape podcast, correct? Yep. Yeah, I do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I have one foot in the industry, one foot out by design. Um, I want hunting to always just be my thing, my passion. Um, but day to day, I run I run a small business in Spokane Valley, Washington. It's a gym. Uh, it's called CrossFit, and. Uh, we we do that. We've done that for 10 years. And then on the side, I just do a little elk shape hustle, which is, you know, digital media, YouTube, podcasts, blogs, and um, I don't even know what else you want to call it. Just just working hard towards goals and showing people, uh, just trying to help people on the elk hunting learning curve. Uh, it's the tricky one. It kicked my ass for like seven years, seriously. And, uh, I still don't want a lot of guys to struggle as much as I did to kill an elk with a boat. So, well, you got her um, down my now. My main focus is helping. You got yeah, man. It, but uh, <laughs> there was a price tag to pay, and um, I, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that um, are struggling. And you know, we live in a cool era where I didn't have podcasts, man. I was probably old school like you, where I worked my tail off to ever get published in any magazine that would take me in. That was the big deal. That's where you got information, you know, was reading articles and and that kind of stuff. And a lot of people, it's tough to realize a lot of people don't know how good they have it now with podcasts and YouTube videos and awesome forums. And you can, dude, anyone can reach out to you. They can just message you. And eventually you're going to get back to them, maybe. But you have a chance. You know what I'm saying? So digital era is pretty cool for those that want to take advantage of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've Frank's a bit younger than me. I don't. How old are you? I'm 37. Yeah. So you're not too too far behind me. And you know, Frank is um 28. I think 20. No, he just turned 30. But even like um, you know, where legal ethics aside, let's say uh, texting to fly, you know guide a guy into a stock. Well, cell phones weren't invented when I first started hunting. I mean, they might have been. They were those big, you know, poor like the pimp style, uh, you know, size of a Nalgene bottle phone. So. <laughs> You know, the, the idea just um, messaging or taking a picture or a video of your general approach from where you're glassing from and then watching it on your phone to, uh, you know, being able to connect. Like, I have guys call me on blood trails. They're like, man, this happened. What? I mean, we didn't have that shit. I mean, like, we, you had uh, Eastman's bow hunting um, was like one of the, uh, you know, publications that was big back then, you know, and there's other ones now, obviously Western Hunter and, and different ones like that. But again, that was not at a push of a button and it wasn't, it was a, it was a broadsword. It wasn't a scalpel where, you know, I, let's say I'm, I'm fat. I need to drop 30 pounds. I can just get a hold of you. And then you, you know, go yeah. from there where, you know, grabbing men's health just didn't quite get it back then. I mean, you know, different body types and everything else. So everything can be much more like a scalpel now as well. Yeah, do you remember, like, you didn't know what people killed? Uh, if it was something really special, you'd find out in the magazine. You know what I mean? Or even early on, you might be one of the lucky ones to get a text picture um, in a text thread. But that was even 
not that common. You had to hold out for the magazine. And back in the days, like when you said Eastman's, that's, that's how I met uh, Cameron Haynes was I had to go through him to get published in Eastman's. You'd have to like submit your story and send it all in. And, and uh, maybe even like before email, you'd have to like print it out and send your pictures in and then, then became email. You'd send it in. Do you remember that? I mean, like, Oh yeah. Yeah. He I was would. the guy you had, you had to get through. Yep. You know, speaking of him, one thing I, you know, not to get to see a squirrel already, I saw he was getting bashed about something the other day about hunting private land and super expensive landowner tags. And I didn't, I didn't really pay that much of attention, probably not enough to even bring this up, but I'm going to. And I think what it was is a guy was bashing him for not doing do-it-yourself hunts anymore. You know what I mean? Where he's kind of doing, uh, guided stuff or private land stuff or, or, or whatever. I, I don't, I don't exactly know what hunts he's going on. I just, I know he doesn't backpack hunt like he used to, right? I'm not sure if he does it all anymore, but I mean, you know, there's, it's arguable, um, uh, far as like when you get into the position he's in, are you going to give up, you know, hunting some of the ranches? Are you going to keep, um, uh, you know, hunting public land? And I get that quote. I try to stay out of that shit, but I get that question a lot, my opinion on it, which I don't even answer those questions because I don't want to get involved. But, you know, I can tell you, I mean, I know you, you do pretty much everything's do it yourself. I don't even think, have you been on a guided hunt? Oh, I have in years past. Um, probably the last one I went on was uh, California, Blacktail, probably 2012. Uh, did it for a, I did it for a friend who owns um, Sportsman's News. They do a publication and a video series for all the Sportsman's warehouses. He's like, hey, go to this place, check it out. We're trying to figure out if they can be one of our platinum outfitters that we recommend. And I was like, dang, okay. Um, long story short, um, that outfitter was terrible, and I left his camp in the, like, after one day of hunting with him because he was like, he just wasn't, the, he wasn't the real deal. And I don't want to tell the story. It's not that long, but he, we went into the back. It was like a backcountry hunt advertised. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Like horses, wilderness, early August. I mean, that's fun stuff. Archery, blacktail. We load up the horses. We ride the horses for like maybe 45 minutes. And he stops in the middle of this meadow where there's six other tents. And he's like, yep, this is where we're camping. And I was like, uh, dude, this is not a backcountry hunt. I could have walked here probably faster than it took to load all the stuff and get here. And he's like, no, this is it. This is where we're going. And I was like, okay. And then I think the next day I like, I bumped into hunter after hunter after every stock I tried to make. And so I came back to camp midday and I'm like, bro, load up our stuff, take us nine more miles in this deep country let's get away from people. And he just wouldn't do it. And so I was like, well, cool. I'm out. And I told the guy, the camera guy, I'm like, pack your shit. We're heading out. And, uh, we ended up killing a blacktail, not too far from the trailhead after we got out. And, uh, I just, that was it for me. That was like the last little, that was the last hurrah. I just don't like, uh, I don't like, I'm a control freak. I just like being in control. I like making my own luck. Um, I got nothing against other people that hunt with outfitters. Uh, but when it comes to elk hunting, I do think it's 
Cameron aside, I think it's very unrelatable for us normal blue collar guys to go to a Utah ranch or California ranch and uh, pay $15,000 entry fee just to get in there. The trophy fees are probably five, five grand at least. You got to tip your guide. And the trophy fee is based on how big a bull you shoot, you know. So it's not that expensive to shoot 350 bull, but as you get past 360 and 370, it goes up way up. And then you got to tip your outfitter, uh, which you should do, by the way, 10%. And uh, you tip your guys. And it's just not realistic for me personally. Like, And um, I just don't think it's realistic for a lot of people that follow these big name guys. So I think I decided a while ago that I was going to focus on the people that um, probably could afford to hunt the way I do and with limited time, limited resources, young families, et cetera. I got nothing against what uh, other people are doing. I do think, I think if you are a big name in the industry and you just do guided hunts, that's unfortunate. I feel like you need to sprinkle in some public land, do it yourself stuff or some backcountry stuff so we can still relate to you and balance your portfolio. If you just hunt, private land or guided hunts it's that that's your prerogative but it's hard to relate i hope that makes sense no no it does and i don't like like i said i try to stay out of it because i go i mean kafari pays for some hunts for us and, and it's ones i couldn't hunt unless um you know where you have to have a guide um and and i'm lucky enough to do a couple of those i'm, I'm a bit like you as far as the control freak thing so lucky enough um i go with my buddy and that simplifies things a lot because it's like hunting with a buddy. It's not what I would perceive hunting with an actual guy that I have to listen to where we make fun of each other and it's hunting with a buddy. Like Alberta, you know, Alberta, that's public and private ground. Um, I mean, you can get permission on it. I mean, anybody can pretty much. But I can't hunt up in Alberta without, you know, an, an outfitter. And that, you know, is a super, super fun hunt. Um, that's the one I just got back from. The, it's it's a very tough hunt. Um, it's it's certainly not a gimme. Um, well, I I guess thinking about it, I think they had twelve hunters up, and and Levi and I tagged out. They all had opportunities, but you know, it's certainly not a guarantee. But you know, comparing it to obviously the high country hunt I did, where I retired on the mountain and dropped eighteen pounds and pissed blood and everything else known to man to get a deer. It's a little bit differently. I, you know, I'm sleeping in a bed. <laughs> you know, somebody cooks for me every night. Uh, so it is different. But I don't think uh, – I don't really give a shit what anybody does. I do think they need to be upfront and honest about it. Like I try – you know, when we go to Alberta, I try to be as upfront. Like, yep, yep, going with Lander and whatever. But I don't – I can't afford to do a whole lot of different stuff, especially, you know, Kafaru helps me out. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't be able to afford to do – you know, anything. And, and on a construction side of things, you know, it's amazing. If I can hunt out of state, I was super pumped could just to afford an out of state tag. Yeah. I think you said it well. I mean, just be transparent with what's, what's going on. Don't, uh, if you don't, if you don't take a picture with your guide and your animal, then just give credit to where you were. I've hunted Alberta before. You got to have a guide. And I had a guide when I went to Alberta, this was probably late to, uh, 2009 or something. And I went up there and I didn't get it. I didn't kill. I didn't pull my bow back and I hunted hard for really big whitetail mule deer and man, it was awesome, but it's not a guarantee. So I don't think hunting with an outfitter makes anything easier. Animals, they want to live. 
And, uh, but you just, like you said, just a different experience, just be upfront, be transparent about what's going on. So people can understand, you know, what's going on. I don't think anyone's got an issue with guides or outfitters, all that kind of stuff, but there is something to be said about doing some public land, 18 days, kill yourself. The reward, the reward is just, it's monumental. There's nothing, there's not a better feeling that I've found when you do it on your own and, and all that hard work. And it's bowhunting, man, all the frustration. And all of a sudden you're tagged out. You go from zero to hero in 10 seconds. And you're like, what? How did all this just change in a moment's notice? I don't know, man. That's the best feeling in the world. That's the one, I, one of the best I've found. Oh, yeah. It's even went up a level for me now since I'm shooting a wooden bow flinging a whopping 176 feet per second. It's even worse with the recurve, but better feeling. You know what I mean? Like more sense of accomplishment. But often I feel like snapping that fucker over my knee um, as well, you know. But like you said, in the end, when you actually pull it off, um, hey, even a cow, it's something to be proud of. Guys that come in here on the way out to a hunt that come into Kafaru and, you know, I'm I'm like guys. It's your first hunt. I would honestly just shoot the first thing that comes in front of you. It, it's not overly easy on public land, and kind of as you build up, you know, you can increase your your standards a little bit. But it, it's not it's not that easy on over the counter tags. I mean, it's not that easy tipping over an animal even on a low point draw tag. And and I, you know, I Idaho, um, well, Washington's horrible. Um, it's rough in Washington, man. I, I have I I've hunted it, and I don't. Do you even hunt Washington, or do you bump over to your surrounding state there? Mm, I I hunt Whitetail a little bit, but uh, no, I don't hunt Washington. I uh, when I draw a mountain goat tag one of these years, whenever that happens, I'm calling you because I know you've done some. Uh, you've helped a lot of guys out over here, uh, so you know some good country. But as far as beyond special tags, no, I don't hunt this state. It's it's brutal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For for sure. I lived over on the Olympic Peninsula, and and I don't even like, and I hate the rain, so that's even, even worse. But what? Uh, before I forget, now is your gym? Is that a CrossFit gym? Oh yeah. Yep. Okay, gotcha. No, don't. I won't. I won't make fun of CrossFit. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't. Per, per, I don't participate in CrossFit, but I do work out every day. Um, does that count? I don't. I've never got into the CrossFit thing, count. man. <laughs> I. I. I yeah. pro- I might, you know, at some point, but I just never, uh, I think I got so used to my own thing, right? Like my own, uh, system or whatever. I'm too hard headed to, to change, but man, I know a lot of people it's changed their lives uh, in a good way. Yeah. It's definitely, it's good fit for some people. I used to think CrossFit was the dumbest thing ever. When I first found out about it, I'm like, are you kidding me? People are going to get hurt or that's just a stupid workout, but Ten years later, we've been we've been open for ten years, and I just don't get sick of it because it's changing all the time. Like the workouts are always shuffled, so I just don't get bored. Um, I got ADD, probably like you, and I just need it to change, or I'm just gonna get burnout. So haven't gotten burnout. If I find something better, I'll do that. I'm not married to anything, but uh, it, it's a good program. It's good for hunters. It's good for mountains. You know, I don't do a ton of rucking. I probably rough once a week year round and then just backfill with CrossFit, cross training. I like how hard it is. I like hard stuff, stuff that's hard and stuff that just you can literally justify trying to quit it or negotiate a workout down to, oh, I'll just cut it down to this. 
and you don't, and you you actually finish it out, like that builds mental toughness in my opinion. And I don't think anyone's born mentally tough. I feel like you need reps at doing difficult things. And so that's just been a pretty good ally for, for archery hunting and being ready for anything. So um, there's other good ways to skin a cat. I think if you're doing something, it's better than not doing anything. And that's not really the argument anymore, Aaron. I mean, when we first started, you know, people scoffed at working out and training year round for hunting that you didn't need to do that, but there's been a wave and uh, it started back in the, in my opinion, in the, in the eighties when Dwight Shue and Larry D Jones came out with their first ever elk hunting VHS tapes and they showcased them running doing marathons, riding bikes, and hiking with backpacks in the off-season. And a lot of people don't know that, but you got to give credit to those two um, for kind of showcasing and getting in shape for hunting. I thought that was cool. I saw that early on, and um, it's it's grown a lot since then. Oh, yeah, and I don't, you know, I'm kind of trying to be middleman on a lot of this stuff because I understand there's fat people kill big shit. There's no doubt about it. They know animal behavior. They've got good spots, but... My thing is I know because, I, you know, I used to be a, a fat fucker, right? I'm a, what is it, mesomorphic? Uh, I'm the fat kid body type. I get them confused. Is that ecto? Either way, you would know. Um, I'm the fat kid body type. But I know, like, um, cutting out processed um, carbs, processed sugars out of my diet, It it's not just about elk hunting. It's a better life. And, you know, I, you know trying to... Well, it's like somebody that has something bad happen to them in life, let's say, and they find religion, and then it's changed their life, and so they're kind of preachy about it. And that shit doesn't sell. Most people don't want to hear the preachiness, so I try not to be too preachy about, you know, fitness and, and you know, just try to, you know, subtle hints or whatever and, uh, you know, as much as I can when, when guys kind of need it. But it, it's truly life-changing, and, you know, it is nice to know that there is no mountain too high. Like, there's not... Um, well, like recently on a hunt, there was a, an animal that got hit and it, it went down to the bottom of this canyon and I just threw my pack on and went, didn't think twice about it where everybody else was kind of hemming and hawing. And I'm like, I need to work out anyway. I've been eating like shit. Like I look at it like, ah, oh, whatever. It's, it's, it's a positive thing to go down to the bottom of the canyon and a positive thing to come back up where when I wasn't as fit, it was a Jesus, I got to go down there. And I think you can probably attest to that. It is nice knowing there is not uh, an obstacle in front of you that you can't take on and, and generally do it with a positive attitude. I couldn't do that when I wasn't fit. Yes, and truthfully, I've I've backfilled my hunting prowess with fitness. Like, maybe I'm not the best hunter, but I just don't give up. And there's not a day or a, a time where I squander the hunt because I just am too tired or or that, that bull's in too low of a canyon, or I don't want to see what's on the other side of that mountain. Um, fitness has always been an ally, and I feel like it can, it can probably help your scenario, your situation out in the mountains, just, just with being positive and, and feeling good. Like, feeling good and hunting is a great deal. But if you're tired, fatigued, I feel like most average guys, they got about three days in them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And by the end of that third day, we'll see what you're made of, you know, and, uh, some people can get around it. They're just tough or like you said, they got a good spot or they're just, they know the animal's behavior, but in truly a backcountry scenario after three days, that's kind of like the deciding factor. That's the tipping point, whether you're going to 
keep grinding or get lonely or homesick or feel sorry for yourself. And I don't want any of those things to happen. Hunting seasons, for me, it goes by so fast that I want to take advantage of every second I can out there. And, and fitness has helped with that. So, yeah. But, yeah, being preachy, uh, I don't like it. I try not to. I try to just lead by example. And if people are interested, they can do their own homework and get a hold of you, like you said earlier. So, yeah. No, for sure. And and the fitness thing, again, yeah, you're right. I mean, on the backcountry side especially, I mean, I would not have killed the mule deer this year without a high level of fitness. Um, you know, obviously that you need to have mental toughness and all that, but they coincide with each other. They work in continuity with each other. Um, most guys that are going to be mentally tough are probably also physically fit. Not always, but a lot of times. And, you know, you, you kind of like backdate a lot of backpack hunts. You look at not all of them, but a lot of them without a high level of fitness, a lot of that stuff isn't going to die. Um, not not always, and some people are just genetically fit and don't have to work out, but um, I'm sure the same with you. If you backdate yours, a lot of them had a hell of a lot to do with the amount you train in the off-season. And people, I just did a an interview with um, Compton Traditional, but they asked about um, fitness. And I, I was like, look, the best way to you know stay in shape is just not get out of shape. And I have you know, years ago, kind of followed that. And obviously you live your life in the fitness world. It's a lot easier to stay in shape than it is to try to get back into it. And again, that goes with the lifestyle thing just outside of hunting. Don't get out of shape. You know, that, you know, there's nothing worse than getting your, you know, burning lungs and feeling like you're going to cough up blood the first time you do cardio. I, I like to just be, you know, where I'm ready to roll all the time. You may be at a little bit higher yeah. level. <laughs> no. No, definitely. And I like the, some of the backpacking stuff you showcase on your, your platforms. Uh, just I'm jealous where you live. You have the elevation. Red Rocks is a stone's throw away. You guys are able to do the – you have friends and comrades that want to do these hikes with you. And friendly competition brings out the best in all of us. And so you guys can – people can try to keep up with you and push you. And, yeah, man, I think that's really – special i'm jealous i don't have hiking buddies um i just go hike and i think i would push harder alongside trustworthy peers so i think that's pretty cool and and if you don't have a gym you have outside you have a backpack go do it go find a form of fitness that you enjoy somewhat and uh that you don't get burnt out on and i think the continuity piece same with me for shooting I don't think I'm as good a shot as you, Aaron, but I need reps. Like if I don't shoot my bow a couple times a week, I, I don't, I just, I feel like I lose it. And it's just probably, maybe it's mental, but I do think it has some muscle memory stuff too. Like I just feel like if I stay behind my wheels throughout the year, I can, I can put tighter groups together year round versus just, Oh, it's the off season. I'll, I'll shoot it. I'll shoot winter league when it gets here or something, you know? So it, it just comes down to knowing yourself and knowing what you need to be at the top of your game. Yeah, no, I agree. And and I have to shoot every day with the recurve. With the compound, I, I shot a lot. I mean, more than the majority of the planet, but I still didn't shoot as much as I, I certainly could have. And, and I didn't have to shoot that much either. Um, just I got to a point where it, it uh, I was comfortable whether, you know, I shot every day of the week or shot once a week, but... You know, one one of the things 
I, I wanted to bring up to you just because, you know, obviously you are a good shot. You are fit. What would you say like f- bracketing will do will do the day to day lifestyle diet? What would you say are the key failing points for most people? And, and, and skip out the ones, obviously. This is the everyday guy that's got 25, 30 pounds to lose, needs to get fit. What would you say the first uh, major downfall the majority of people have in, in diet? We'll leave out exercise, just diet. What would you say that is? Well, probably – oh, man, I, I'm glad you said nutrition because I wasn't going to say it was fitness. I mean, you just can't outwork a shit diet. Um, and I think convenience will foster poor decisions when it comes to eating. And so oh, you need you to make a t-shirt out of that. That is true. <laughs> it's the truth. So uh, I think if you allow yourself to have better options by not being a dickhead and actually like making some food for the week. Um, meal I prep. You would have meal prep, baby. Just super basic grill up 20 elk steaks instead of just one and get them all cut up and make some eat some cleaner carbs but i think i think fat doesn't make you fat too much sugar too much carbs at one time will make you fat faster than anything you know our our the u.s population is as fat as they've ever been and it's because our food intake our sugar intake is so it's so much more than any country in the world we're addicted to sugar so if you can just trim out the sugar and the shitty carbohydrate choices and not eat out of convenience you're going to feel better you're going to lose some fat and then you can add some exercise that you enjoy but i mean it's really not rocket science but uh that's where i would start with is the sugar intake yeah i i'm going to add a little bit to that um Read the label for one, like sugar intake is huge. You know, sodium's huge too, but sugar's the devil. Um, Processed carbs are the devil. Um, Soda, stop drinking pop. It's it's horrible. Don't drink soda. But I have people get a hold of me like I have no idea what to do uh, nutrition-wise. It's super confusing, and I want you to add to that. I personally over-confused, like I made it way more difficult than it was because of laziness, if if that makes any sense. When I first started eating super healthy, I tried to cheat the system, buy shit in a box, I whatever. But if I would have just bought some veggies, cut them up and threw them in a frying pan with like some virgin olive oil, that's not difficult. And that's super healthy. Um, you know, reading the label of what you're putting in your body, it's not that difficult to read the fucking label right like it tells you the bad shit that's in it um and even when you get to like protein bars most protein bars and and tell me if you think i'm wrong by all means you might as well eat a nut roll or something because it's about this not all but it's about the same thing as a lot of the protein bars on the market you could eat a, a snickers bar or whatever that has high protein content there's not a whole hell of a lot of difference in that yeah, you, you nailed it. I mean, read the ingredients. The less ingredients something has on the label, the better it is for you. You grab one of those fancy protein bars and there's 500 ingredients and you don't know it, what half of them are. It's probably not good for you. It's probably so um, CrossFit has this saying. I shouldn't have said that, but I'll, I'll say there is a saying that I think is the best way to eat meat, vegetables, nuts, seeds, some fruit, little starch zero sugar 
meats, vegetables, nuts, seeds, some fruit, little starch, zero sugar. So meats, I mean, we are hunters, wild game, fish, poultry, et cetera. Um, and then vegetables are unlimited. Most fruits are really good for you. And then uh, the nuts and seeds are the good fats and the good oils that come from that. And then just watch your carbs, man. Like chill out on the bread and pasta and uh, watch out for sugar, especially in drinks and maybe even a little bit of alcohol in there. Cut that out and just have some moderation. Uh, when it comes to clean carbs, I feel like people struggle with like, what's a good clean carb that's going to actually, so rice isn't the devil. Rice is awesome. Quinoa is good. Steel cut oat, spaghetti squash, regular squash, like um, yams or sweet potatoes. Those are all really good carbohydrates, oatmeal. Like you don't have to just eat vegetables. You're not going to be full. You're going to be starving. So you can have some good clean carbs, some good fruits and veggies and eat all your wild game harvest and you will shred up. You will feel better. You will perform and recover faster. And, uh, it's a lifestyle. So you just got to start slow, make some slow changes over time. And yeah. what do you, what do you think about the no carb diets? Um, and, and I've got my own two cents on that. I want to hear yours and I'll throw mine in. Um, like, uh, you know, the keto primal blueprint, the, things like that. I mean, what do you, how do you feel about those, and do you think there are certain people that should maybe subscribe to one diet and other people that should subscribe to another type of diet? Yes. So generally speaking, I think the keto, caveman, whatever you want to call it, all those, they were actually called the Atkins diet before that, just a new spin. Um, I think you've got to ask yourself sustainability. Uh, for me, I do like very high intense CrossFit style workouts. And so I eat based on how I perform and how I work out. And so there's not a lot of fat burning going on when you do a CrossFit workout, which people would be like, what? Yeah, you're mainly burning glycogen, like stored carbohydrate in the muscle and liver. So I need carbohydrates to perform well at CrossFit. So I definitely eat carbohydrates and I don't, I can't just live off fat and protein. So I would, I would never recommend keto diet for anyone who does CrossFit or high-intensity explosive-type workouts. Now, if you're a long-distance runner or maybe you're, you're at a genetic disposition to be a fat kid, maybe the keto diet is for you and maybe the activities you do is primarily low-intensity fat burning for your energy substrate, then that's maybe a, a good food plan for you. But I think for most people, just not eating a carbohydrate, they can't sustain that for the long term. And so they will shred up, lean out, and then eventually, eventually, over time, carbohydrates will reintroduce themselves into their diet and they will go back or get back to where they started or they'll be, yeah, I just don't, I just don't know if it's sustainable, but I think what you're hitting at is, yeah, man, depending on the type of workouts and the lifestyle you live is how you should eat. It's more important about what you eat and when you eat it versus just, I'm going on this diet or that diet. And I, I was hoping you would say what you did, um, you know, and I wasn't sure because the one thing I, I learned through all of this is when you, I mean, well, let's bring up Rocky, the movie when he's fighting the Russian and, you know, Rocky, Rocky hits Ford. him. Yeah, he, he hits him and the black dude, the brother with the bald head in the corner says he's cut, he's bleeding and everybody's pumped up. He's like, he's not a machine. He's a man. OK, well, people watch that movie and they probably went on a diet the next day. And there's certain movies, certain times of year, 
certain places in life where people go apeshit, full bore on whatever diet. It could have been a TV commercial, and they'll hit that diet. And, and most of the people that, that do this, it, in my opinion, generally are between 40-plus pounds upwards of 100 overweight. Like they've got a lot to lose. And they get the gym membership. They drop carbs. They'll be on it for, let's say, four weeks. And in that four weeks, they're probably shedding weight like fucking crazy because their body's not used to that. What you said is exactly what normally happens. They get off of that diet and they'll gain double back of what they lost, depending, not always double, um, because sustaining that type of diet takes a very mentally strong person and a certain lifestyle because it's not easy to eat that way. And when I tried that diet, I bonked, you know, so if I stayed below 145 beats or so, um, or I guess what I'm getting at is I stayed in the um, happy zone before I started where I got out of burning fat and got into burning muscle um, is where I got in trouble. So meaning if I could keep a very relatively low heart rate, I didn't really bonk that bad on the no carb diet. Once that heart rate spiked up, um, I was running on borrowed time and I was fucked. I mean, literally like going to 13,000 feet in altitude trying to hike. I could not get like the lactic acid buildup out of my legs. I couldn't get the energy to go. And I'm like, man, this is the dumbest shit I have ever seen. Like, cause I'm a very, <laughs> like, I'm a testing guy. Like, I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to give it. Now, yeah. having said that, it is a great way to lose weight. And some people may need to stay on a diet like that. Um, it's just most people don't. But you take, for me now, like, if I go hit a hard workout or I've done a 10 day backpack hunt, I'm not going to lie, the first couple of days back, I'm eating whatever the fuck I want pizza. It doesn't matter. You know, because I've burnt so much calories, that's not, I'm saying, the right thing to do. But I can get away with more because I've done more and come back. I'm in the office. Everything's back into moderation. Um, You know, I'm not eating, obviously, super high caloric intake, average caloric intake, average amount of complex carbs or as much as I can, a high amount of protein, pretty high amount of fats. And everything coincides with what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis, which seems to be exactly what you know, you're saying. I think that's, yeah. I mean, the, it's kind of a weird concept that you have to eat based on how you work out or how you perform. But I mean, if you are just doing hiking long distances day after day, yeah, you probably get away with a pretty high protein, high fat diet. I mean, oxidative, you said low heart rate. So that's oxidative. That's primarily fat for energy. And then you eat fat to refuel. But Man, the second you sprint up a mountain or do a quick, you know, I got to get going on another gear, you're not going to have the, the gas tank for that and bonk. It makes sense to me. But sustainability, like, let's, let's be honest. Like, at the end of the day, like, I just want to hunt the rest of my life. I love it so much. And I want to do things that give me a trajectory to take my son hunting. And I had kids kind of later in life. So I'm 37 and my son's two years old. Dude, I better like stay on my game because I gotta wait a while before, you know. I'm just gonna. Me and my dad are way closer in age than I'm gonna be with my son, so I better get my shit together if I want to show him, you know, all the things that I've learned about hunting and all the things that hunting taught me about myself. So 
um, it's just to me, don't get on a, I got to get to this weight. Like just try to have the big picture in mind of it's your trajectory and it just requires discipline and delayed gratification. The things that I preach about the most. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, obviously while you're on here, I want to pick your brain about diet, nutrition, and fitness as much as possible. One thing I learned is as I was kind of slinking or or rubber banding up and down and weight a little bit, there was a certain weight that I hit that I felt was my optimal. Of course, this isn't for power lifting. This is for backpack hunting. My optimal weight for where I wasn't always hungry. You know, I was, I, I had great energy. I could get up the mountain. Um, you know, I, I didn't look um, overly large, overly small. I didn't feel, you know, overly bloated all the time, as weird as that sounds. But, you know, I try to explain to people like, hey, you're going to hit a weight that you feel. The hap- me is 200 pounds, plus or minus, you know, and I've been up to 270 and down to, well, I guess when I got GRD, I got down in the low 180s, which really doesn't count. But 200 is like exactly where I want to be pretty much year-round, plus or minus. If I get up to 220, yeah, I may be stronger, but I just feel slow. I'm not as quick on my feet. I get below 200, I start to get hangry all the time. I don't have the energy that I, I would like to have or I did have. I Do you feel that everybody has like a, a plus or minus 10 pounds, like happy weight, plus or minus five either way is what I'm saying, like a weight that they may want to be at for backpacking. And then let's say they get more into CrossFit. There may be a little bit different weight for that happy medium. I mean, what do you, I guess, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think, uh, I remember in undergrad reading about like set point theory where, you know, kind of like at the end of the day, your genetic and the way that you express DNA, like at the end of the day, you, there's a certain weight you may be able to get to, but you're not going to be able to hold that. And if you do, it's going to just ruin your life. And I think you probably understand what I mean. Like Aaron could get to 195, 190, but your quality of life is going to go down. You're not going to be a happy guy. Um, but you can find that balance where 200 is sustainable. You feel pretty damn good. You feel light on your feet. Maybe over the winter, you might winter a little well and get up to 215, 220, but you know that's not where you feel your best. And so with some effort and being cognizant of your nutrition, you can get back to where you feel right. I think everyone's got that weight. Um, you know, I used to walk around about 175 to 185 back in my early 20s when I was a personal trainer, kind of doing bodybuilding stuff. And the weirdest thing about where I'm at, bro, this is weird. Like, I cannot, like, I used to walk in the 160s for the first six, seven years I owned CrossFit. In the last four or five years, it seems like after every elk hunting season, I'm struggling to put more and more muscle back on. And so even right now, I'm not even 160. So that's a... 25 pounds swing there for me for a little guy like it's just been through lifestyle that i kind of figured out my body feels pretty good at a buck 55 to 165 can still be very strong but pound for pound really strong and you're not exactly dikembe matumbo i mean what are you five seven five eight no i'm like five six and three quarters but i tell people i'm five seven yeah so for you but even yeah. at 155 160 you're still packing some some beef on you at that height that 185 i don't know how you you'd wipe your ass from the back uh i would imagine you were pat you had some some you were pretty damn beefy at that time i think i was pretty fluffy pretty soft strong but not fit and i didn't feel great and the amount of food i had to eat to get there was insane 
So it just wasn't sustainable. But I think everyone needs to figure out a good way that they feel their best at. They perform well, they recover, and they can enjoy life at. And I don't think it's worth getting down to some certain weight that you think you need to be at and you feel like dog shit and you're not enjoying life. I mean, we get one go around. Let's find somewhere where we feel good and we can be our most productive, best version of ourselves. So for you, it sounds like it's probably that 200 range. For me, it's at that 160 range. And um, it's going to take some discipline to stay there, but it doesn't have to ruin your life. You know what I mean? Well, and I preach this to fat guys and skinny guys alike. A skinny guy will never be beefy without doing something above and beyond the call of duty, so to speak. Meaning if you have a skinny body type, you are going to have to take, and I'm talking, I mean, and this is coming from a fat kid, so you can chime in, you know, four, five, six thousand calories a day to really beef up as a skinnier body type. And it's the same if you're a fat kid. If you want to be truly where you're dropping down below 12% body fat, you are going to have to have a daily diet that's so structured and a fitness routine that is so structured that you may not have, you may hate your life. Um, but again, like you said, there is a happy medium to where you can stay where you're pretty structured, pretty happy, you know, look pretty good. But after that, I know for me, I just did this whole, I went and got my testosterone and everything checked. They did a full body workup. And right now I'm at just under 13% body fat. For me to get any lower than that, dude, I have to, I mean, we're talking not fucking fun at all. My daily life sucks because mm -mm. I just, it, it, because that's my body type. Yeah. Nope. I think you're dead on. Understand where you're at. And then you were talking about endomorph, exomorph, mesomorph. That stuff was written a long time ago. It probably still holds a lot of water, honestly. Like, you are what you are. Your parents made <laughs> you genetics is what they is. So you might be more susceptible. Like Aaron, if Aaron looks at a barbell too long, he's going to put on 10 pounds of muscle, whereas a guy like me has to literally squat every few days or I'm going to be skinny and I was built to go run or something. You know, it's just genetics. Understand who you are and how you're made and, and things like that. So um, as far as nutrition goes, like you're not, uh, you're not taking – what are you taking for supplements? I didn't know where you're at nowadays. Man, I uh, – not much. Um, I, I've always – well, I say always. For the last, since I got off steroids and kind of um, – yeah, that was a very short period of my time, but then kind of started doing obviously the more backpack hunting and all around like total body fitness – I really have stuck with like krill oil or fish oil, probiotics, um, you know, turmeric, curcumin, like some stuff for anti-inflammation. And, and that's it, man. I take yeah. a little pre-workout to wake my ass up or drink coffee. I don't do a whole lot with like protein powder because I eat so much wild game. I got a pretty high <clears> – man, this could be another hour-long podcast. But what I try to explain to people and, <laughs> and I, I – Mountain Ops got all pissed off at me because of the way I worded this because people always ask me, for example, does Mountain Ops really work or does supplements really work? Well, if you're hungry and you eat a pizza and you're not hungry anymore is how I put this, then the pizza worked, right? You're not hungry. If you need to increase your protein con or protein intake, a protein powder is a good way to do it. Now, there's protein powders and you can probably go into much more depth on this than I can – 
that have a lot of fillers. They're shit protein. You probably get bad gas when you take them, and then there's a lot of clean proteins. But your body can only assimilate, uh, only take in so much. So if you had a 200-gram protein you know, drink, one, you're going to shit your ass off, but two, your body's only going to be able to actually assimilate <laughs> a small <laughs> amount of that. You, you know, it has to be in every meal throughout the day if you're going to want to increase it. And so as far as supplements, a lot of that shit, I think, is just to get people motivated. I don't know that it actually does a whole lot for them. Some of them do. But if it gives them the idea that they're helping themselves get fit, they'll take those. When in reality, if you just eat healthy, um, you're going to be actually, well, richer, but you're also going to be as far ahead because nothing beats water. In my opinion, uh, a high amount of water intake is about the best energy drink you can get. That's also coming from a guy that drinks coffee and caffeine. But And then eating healthy, truly healthy, is going to give you, for the most part, everything you need without supplementing anything into your diet, meaning supplements. Now, what do you think about all that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there's a lot there. I think, uh, well, one, um, you said Mountain Ops. I love that because um, I've always wondered what the heck, like, I, Kafaru Cast, I, I, I don't follow enough detail to know, but I know that you do your own podcast now, so I want to hear about that. But, uh, yeah, Mountain Ops is a great company, very into marketing, just like all other supplement companies, and it's a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar industry because people are looking for that um, either quick fix or low road, or they're just not maybe fully educated on how much they could change their body with just actual food. But uh, supplements to me are a tie. And I think a lot of people put their tie on first before they put their shirt on. So nutrition being the shirt, put your shirt on first. And, and like you said, eat real food and uh, the water intake, all that. I, I couldn't agree more. And then, the whole protein powder thing, me as a, a CrossFit coach owner, and, and I train coaches to work with people, I am, we're constantly having the conversation that, you know, protein powders as a substitute for like, oh, I'm going to have a protein shake for this meal. It is not good for you. Like, in my opinion, whey protein, a whey isolate with fillers or whatever without, is, it's got its place. And it's usually post-workout because it does digest really fast. Um, and it absorbs and assimilates really quick if you have the right grams in there. So what did I just say? Basically, just whey protein is really cool if you can handle it, especially if it's got probiotics in it post-workout. You don't need to replace – like eat real food. Eat the way God intended you. If you can't pick it off the tree, dig it out of the ground, or kill it with your arrow, uh, it's probably not food. So, yeah, I think real food wins. Um, I switched to FNX supplements, and they make a whole bunch of stuff that I don't take. But what they do, they make the krill oil, like you said. I feel like guys are going to challenge to get enough omegas. I don't eat a lot of fish personally. I don't know if you do. So I definitely have noticed the krill oil, and that's been a huge game changer for me. And um, I do like a whey protein with probiotics in it. Um, I've been messing with this cricket protein for the last month. And uh, it tastes like shit, but it uh, <laughs> it has got the most iron. It's got more iron in it than spinach, and uh, it's I think it's really good ingredients. But as far as real food goes, Aaron, it's that's where almost all my stuff comes from. Is just 
and staying hydrated and eating a balanced meal and, and not trying to go on some fad diet, just, you know, just being like yesterday was Sunday. That was probably the best day of the week to meal prep. And that's usually what we do. So do you meal prep? Fuck yeah, I meal prep. I have to, or I end up eating bad. And that, that was, you know, I mean, one of the many things you learn, you know, you're, if your life is a book, one of the chapters of, of my life would be that moment where I realized, uh, hey, dumbass, uh, you're going to save money if you meal prep and you're going to be healthier. And, and mm-hmm. believe it or not, it took a lot of chapters to get to that one. Like why it didn't just <laughs> click in. I mean, it's common sense for God's sake. Um, and, and again, if you can't cook, it's not a big deal because anybody can turn on a fucking barbecue, right? So I now – well – Amy does everything now, but before, uh, you got a Traeger or whatever type of barbecue, you got an oven, I'll cook, whether it be chicken breasts or elk or moose or whatever, I will cook, um, let's say three pounds of elk burger. And then throughout the course of the week, that elk burger will get sprinkled, sprinkled into quinoa or brown rice, or, you know, I'll bring a yam and, uh, you know, cut that up and then I'll just eat the burger with it. I mean, it's, it's not the same as McDonald's, but I have it ahead of time. So every morning I can grab it and go. The other thing is, is if I do like a kick-ass workout, I don't know if this is bro science or not, but I've always been told that if you do a super heavy workout to within the 30 minutes after that workout to try and get a meal in um, for recovery, and so rather than a protein drink, which is protein and a bunch of other bullshit, I just eat a meal and it'll be in a little, you know, Rubbermaid container. I keep it in my gym bag. And it may be that I'm shooting a shit, playing on my phone or whatever after I work out. I'm stuffing some food down my face rather than a protein drink. Um, and I don't know if that's good or bad, but that has seemed to work pretty well for for me. And, and I suggest that to a lot of people. Don't take a supplement if you can help it. After the workout, take up food, take, take a meal in. Don't, don't, don't try to just jam a bunch of shit down your throat that is in a plastic container. Yeah, I, I, I agree, man. Especially the, you said if you're banging heavy weights and stuff too, you know, that's, that's a glycolytic workout. You need carbs right after, and, and it would be nice to have some protein and carbs within 30 minutes of that workout. Uh, it makes a lot of sense to me. And then on the other end of things, if you're doing like a, a 10K run or something, that's going to be very like oxidative, you know, heart rate shouldn't be that high. So you, you probably burned a lot of fat. So maybe have some protein carbs and some fats with that meal. But yeah, eating for base based on the training you're doing that, that I'm glad you said that. Cause that is something that again, another chapter, um, you know, was the chapter where someone said, Hey, fuck stick, bring an avocado. And I'm like, what? He's like, how hard is it to cut one in half and eat it? And I'm like, that's not very hard at all. He's like, well, you need that too, dipshit. You know, and this is actually a guy telling me this. Um, And, you know, much like yourself was like, hey, if you just did 40-pound pack weight and you did four miles in X amount of time, uh, your body needs fats. It doesn't need just carbs and protein. It needs fat. So eat an avocado. And, you know, an avocado is just one thing. Coconut oil is another one that's really good because I put, you know, coconut oil in a lot of stuff. But good fats he's like dude that will help your joints it you know and he broke all of this stuff down and so now i have avocados with me all the time now don't cover the fuckers in salt if you're already fat obviously just eat the avocado but it's not that big of a deal people eat apples people eat oranges 
I kind of look at an avocado now as like an apple or orange where I just cut it open and, and eat it after a especially cardio, um, super high intensity cardio where I'm not, when I say high intensity, my heart rate not, may not be high, but I've done a lot of it. Um, and you know, again, that was a guy much like yourself that was, you know, conked me in the head and we're like, dude, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, obviously. That's why you're here. So it, it, things like that are like good little tidbits that I really didn't think about before. Definitely. And then the, the joints and all that kind of stuff. Um, do you take collagen or anything or glucosamine? I don't right now. And I'm, I'm kind of doing, uh, as I get older, the, um, I guess you could say troubleshooting, what's working and what's not type of a thing. So I don't want to take anything yet that I don't need. And right now the turmeric, curcumin and krill oil seem to be getting it done now as I get older. And if that's not working, that has been suggested for me to, you know, to take is, is, uh, you know, something to help out with that. Well, okay. I, krill oil. What was the other one you said? Uh, it's uh, turmeric, curcumin. Um, it just basically helps with inflammation. I, yeah. I have never heard of that stuff. I'm just always interested to find, you know, the older I get, the more I want to know about the joints and the soft tissue repair. It just takes longer for us old parts to get. And I know there's guys listening to your podcast that are twice as old as me saying, you dipshit, you don't even know what it's like yet. But I'm feeling it at 37. Like I'm feeling it now. Like uh, my best performance days are kind of behind me. I'm just trying to make sure that downhill slide is not the trajectory, not very steep. You know, it's very slow going. So anything to fight off the ravages of aging and the soft tissue repair. And, and so, yeah, I hadn't heard of that stuff. I'll have to check it out. Do you, what, how did you find out about it? Um, the Joe Rogan podcast that uh, doctor he has on there. I'd, I'd seen it in okay. Vitamin Cottage and, and, you know, Whole Foods or whatever. And then I have a nutritionist um, that I asked and he was like, yeah, dude, you 100%. And so I um, with I take a bunch of different, you know, I, I don't have one specific company um, that I get. Like I, my krill oil comes from Onnit um, and I get that from them. The, the yeah. turmeric curcumin comes from a company called 1MD. Uh, my probiotic okay. – I kind of bounce around. I'll get it from 1MD. I'll get it from on it. I'll also take the Mountain Ops. And when I run out of that, I go over and I get the uh, the liquid probiotic. It's like drinking kind of this ugly milk shit that looks like it's curdled. But And then I drink kombucha a lot. Um, you know, having – Yeah. You know, I, I drink way too much kombucha. But people don't understand gut health, I don't think, either. And – you know, you hear guys that are like farting and cleaning out the truck, guys that are constantly, they're bloated or, you know, whatever. Gut health is one of the more overlooked things, in my opinion. And if you're not having, people I don't hear want to talk about me taking poops, but if a poop takes you 20 minutes and you're stuck in the bathroom trying to push that thing out, one, you're going to get hemorrhoids. Two, there's something fucking wrong with what you're eating. <laughs> and people laugh because I'm in and out. I'm like, I'm in and I go and I'm out and they're like, dude, did you even go? And I'm like, yeah, what do you, why? How long are you in there? Well, if you're in there talking to it and you got to like rock back and forth, you're missing some key ingredients in your <laughs> diet. And, and this is my opinion and what I've been told. One of my buddies has told me, if you go and you have to wipe like you're wiping a marker and it just not coming clean something's wrong. You should be able to just go to the bathroom with very little drama and walk out. And if it takes more than that, there's something wrong with your diet. 
And I don't know if that's true or not, but I know that's the point I'm at. And if I go to bear camp, let's say, and I eat unhealthy, my happiness of going poo is gone. Like shit has changed. And now I'm talking to it like Beavis and Butthead and I'm like, good Lord. And you get the bloated feeling and everything else. And so that's all nutrition. That's all in your diet. Yeah, definitely. And I don't, I'm not an expert, but I know that you can get your doctor to test your gut and see what, if you, you know, how it's looking, you know, have you, I mean, obviously genetic plays a role, downgrades over time, receptor downgrades. But I think at the end of the day, like it would, if you can't really manage it unless you don't measure it. So if you're Aaron and Dan's age and you're going in for that physical and but they're going to put the rubber glove on or anything like you might want to ask them about that. Like, Hey, can, I've heard that gut health is important. Can we measure that? How can we do a check and just see what's going on? And uh, that's not a bad idea. You brought it up. I think it's important. Yeah. Well, you know, talking about like, I just went to a place, um, uh, Rogan had brought it up to me about, you know, test replacement therapy. He's like, dude, you should get your levels checked at 40. And so I went to a place called FitMD. It's in Wheat Ridge. Um, I brought him up once before. The lady's name's Jessica. And I went in there not really knowing what I was getting into. And I paid the money for the blood work. And they did this full body workup. It was amazing. It tells you how hydrated you are, your basal metabolic rate. Uh, it, it just all it, liver levels, test, horm growth hormone. And, and it, you know, basically maps out your entire body not just your blood, what's going on inside as far as your blood, but also on the outside. Your hydration level is one, but it also tells you your body fat percentage per body part. So, you know, if you're, you know, whatever, a um, little bit fatter in the chest, midsection, whatever, it maps that out. Well, dude, I, I got on test replacement like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and my growth hormone levels were super low from, I'm assuming, head injuries because I've had a lot of concussions um, and I don't, you know, for me so far, um, it's not like I'm taking it to put on a bunch of mass or anything, but dude, Rogan was right. It's a game changer. I feel better, you know, and, and as I've gotten, you know, older, I, it's not like I still wasn't getting up the mountain and still doing well, but I did feel more tired. I wasn't sleeping as much. And so, um, cause this is kind of a new chapter, you know, starting this cause I'm taking a growth hormone, um, as well as test and not, not a very high amount, but I'm kind of curious to see how this goes because I, I, I mean, I'm feeling like I would think I should feel. And I thought I would be able to just work my way out of this. Like, oh, I just need to lift different. Oh, I need to eat different. And I did that for about a year. Right. And I couldn't shake it. You know what I mean? I thought, okay, maybe I just need to lift a little bit heavier, do more Olympic lifts and get, you know, maybe that'll increase my, my, my growth levels or my, but it just wasn't happening. And, and a lot of it I think has to do with one, maybe the, that I had done steroids before, but two, some pretty major concussions and that can affect it as well. Oh yeah. That makes sense. I think, I mean, down the road, I don't know when, but my crystal ball shows that that could be the wave of the future for anti-aging some hormone therapy and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, there's some factors in there. Could be genetics, could be, you know, prior, uh, you know, steroid use, if you will, or prior hormone therapy when back in your lifting days. But, um, personally, I hope not to do any of that as long as possible. Uh, but 
the science will continue to grow and we'll learn more and more. And obviously Rogan, dude, he's always got the most cutting edge knowledge. So that's a really great resource that you have. Uh, my I'm actually, father, I'm going to have her come on the podcast. You should. I would let, I would definitely listen to that one. My dad's been on some sort of testosterone from like what you're talking about for almost, I want to say maybe close to a decade. So he kind of got in pretty early and, and not a lot, just a little, just enough. And I, uh, I've been really impressed with how his vitality, his energy, um, man, he's retired. He's 63, but, uh, he's just, yeah, he's a badass. And, uh, you know, his wife is like 40. So he is, you know, he, my dad, oh, he's a pimp. And I think <laughs> I was going to say pimp, but I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't, but yeah, he's just, uh, and she's great. I love Andrew to death, but he, I've just watched him and I've been, you know, I've seen really positive. So, uh, it might not be for me or for everyone, but I think there's no arguing that it could be potentially the wave for fighting off aging down the road. And as we learn more and you can't be afraid of change in science, you have to grow with it. Yeah, for, for sure. Before I forget, we're over our hour deadline here. Are you good for a little while longer? Yeah, when you hear a little kid like say, "Hey, Daddy," that's when I'm out of time. There, okay. there should be waking up here soon. Gotcha. Well, yeah, and and you brought up before, um, and before I forget, it's uh, Fit MD in Wheat Ridge, Colorado. So don't send me PMs asking where it was at. Just call them so you, I don't have to deal with that. Um, but the Mountain Ops thing, um, you know, with you know being kind of a co-host with Brian and everything, and then splitting up, and I get tons of questions about that, and you and I hadn't you know, really talked about it. And it's pretty, I mean, all the drama and shit talking aside, uh, between both parties, I'm a, I'm different than, than they are. Um, I, well, Casey and I are not that different, but Jordan and Brian and I are very different people raised differently, different opinions on things, different views. And I didn't, it wasn't, uh, um, I mean, it was one of those things where they were going a direction with their podcast, which was a direction I was not very capable of going. Uh, I'm polarizing to begin with. I kind of want to do whatever I want to do. I want to say what I want to say. And in some ways that, um, you know, isn't going to go along with what they want. And, and you know, in, in the inner, I mean, in the middle of all of this, there was a lot of freaking drama between them and I, um, a lot of shit talking back and forth where a lot of phone calls of me saying, hey, did you say this kind of shit? You know what I mean? Like I'm hearing this. I mean, I just heard uh, about, you know, they were on a hunt in Montana. I got a phone call about that of I'm only out for myself and whatever, you know, who knows, right? And, you know, obviously, too, there's always going to be – um with certain personalities, um, there's there's going to be some some headbutting, right? And you know Brian's personality and mine when we hunt is not very conducive to a happy relationship. You know he's told plenty of people I'm a dick to hunt with, and other people have been like Aaron, he's awesome to hunt with. Well, I don't think that you know I'm a dick or he's a jackass. I just think he hunts one way and I do another, and you know. All the drama aside, you know, I wish those guys the best. I don't, I don't uh, have any animosity towards them. But you know, from the beginning, I don't take anything different from Mountain Ops today than I did three years ago, 
when I was promoting them, I, I take, I, I'm not a supplement guy. Well, when I say that, meaning I'm not, I'm not going to push 45 different supplements on people. I take a probiotic. I take, uh, you know, generally some type of an electrolyte mix. And every now and then I'll bake with protein powder. I don't get too crazy on it. But, man, the drama in between all that bullshit has been a nightmare. Good Lord. <laughs> uh, well, that sucks to hear. I am all good people across the board. Um, you know, you, I feel like you probably got Brian a pretty good start in the industry. I never heard of Brian until uh, you came on his podcast. Um, and then he's done really well for himself. And um, his podcast is owned by Mountain Ops, I take it. You know, I don't know exactly what happened with all of that. There's some kind of a partnership or they bought into it. And I don't oh. know exactly. It doesn't matter. Yeah, how it works. But I know they're, they partnered up and they own part of it. Okay, cool. Well, that's great. But, yeah, I think Brian, like, I like Brian because he's a CrossFitter. And he's, uh, you know, he's, he brings on some really cool guests and has some good angles. But, honestly, I really like people that are unfiltered. That's more of my style. I like I don't like any fluff. I want you to be really um, just full of authenticity, be real, be genuine, be who you are, and be unapologetic. Even if you offend me or some people, I'm still going to love you because you're just, you are who you are. And um, that goes a long ways with me, and I know it goes a long ways with others. So you do you, they do them. And uh, yeah, I get it, man. Like, it's not, you can't hunt with everybody really well. Um, I don't hunt with very many people at all because I think I'm horrible to hunt with. So if somebody said, man, don't hunt with Dan, he sucks to hunt with, I'd be like, yeah, they're probably right. Because I I don't know if I'm, I'm not a dickhead, but I just don't want to waste any time. I don't want to like wait. I don't want to sit there and contemplate or hear everybody's narrative on what they think's happening or what we should do. So a long time ago, I learned that there was just way less drama if I hunted by myself. And I'll hunt with other people from time to time and enjoy it. But you just got to figure out what's your best, you know scenario and for me it's going solo I'm, I'm more productive i enjoy i've grown to really love hunting solo um and that's what works for me yeah oh yeah for for sure and i think for example if you and i backpacked in eight miles and hunted but you went one direction and i went the other that's going to be great because you know i can come help you pack out an animal you're going to help me there's none of the bullshit that happens in the middle throughout the course of the day of making choices that's gonna work great yeah I run yeah. into the same problem. This happened yesterday on a mule deer hunt. I'm like, hey, there's a deer. We need to get down there. After about the third idea that ran across from me, ran across my plate, I'm like, hey, you can do whatever you want in your own mind. Load your fucking pack and try and keep up because we need to get down there fast. That is the only thing. That is the only plan we have. There's, <laughs> That's it. And... You know, we wasted so much time by the time we got down there. The deer had moved, and once it gets in the drainage, we couldn't see it. And I – that happens a few times with me, and I'm no more fun. I'm not fun anymore because I'm like, shut the fuck up. This is what we're doing. I don't want to hear any elaborate story. We're going to make a plan on the way because we don't have time. This deer is going to disappear. This is just one example. Yeah. It's all, you know, calling what approach to take or whatever, and a lot of times it is easier to do it you know, alone. Um, you know, and it's not like if everyone, you know, if, if I go hunt with you, who am I to say you're wrong, you're successful. So, you know, it is what it is. Oh, for sure. Hey, say hi, Avery. Say hi, Aaron. Hi, hi. Avery. How are you? <laughs> yes. How are you? 
How are you? I'm good. Oh. I'm good. Yes, he's good. You, you can't hear him because his headphones are my ear. Good morning. Well, kids are up. Aaron, time to make breakfast, change diapers, rinse and repeat. Good Lord. Well, good luck with that. Um, I uh, I appreciate you coming on, man, and definitely plan on uh, coming on again whenever you want. Keep up the great work, Aaron. I love everything you do. Keep being you, and uh, appreciate you having me on, man. Yep, no problem, everybody. It's Dan, the fitness man, and uh, the Elk Shape podcast, correct? Yep, you got it. All right, man, take it easy. All right, see you later. Bye.